GMH OMP. Welcome to another episode of Get My Husband Off My Podcast. You know, I'm, uh, the noise you hear in the background is the rain. You know, I'm sitting on my porch. Uh, got the dog sitting out, just just relaxing. Just came outside, sit out here for a little bit. And uh, but honestly, I honestly want to talk to you guys about something. You know, um, I've been battling depression for a little over a year, and it's not the form of depression that I want to harm or hurt myself or even others. It's I get I get extremely down. And there's nothing wrong, but that's that's just it. Just because there's there's nothing wrong doesn't mean there can't be anything wrong. No, but but um if that if that makes any sense to you, you know, I'm not we're not bad financially, the kids are healthy, Candace is fine, you know, the family's fine, outside family's fine. Um everything's okay, but um it's just within myself. I have those moments where I feel like, where I feel like I'm being attacked, or I feel like everybody's out to get me at times. And you know what gets me through it is, you know, I say a quick prayer or I just take a walk or that's why I run so much. Like you know, I go those who follow me on social media see when I post in the mornings that I that I run run to work a lot you know that that four miles three mile run one mile walk that's really therapeutic for me or when I train and I'm making all the noise and growling all of my phone and shit that's therapeutic for me you know even though I have goals that I want to reach physically you know mentally and stuff like that I still know that on the inside I'm not healthy like mentally, mentally I'm not healthy. And there's a lot that I need to actually address and possibly need to find professional help. You know, I can't expect friends to help me out. And like I said, y'all, I'm, I'm sorry about the background noise I'm outside. And um, I'm gonna finish this one up with Candace. We're gonna have our regular show. But I just wanted to be honest with you guys for a moment. Um, like I said, I, I don't have any like bad thoughts or anything like that while I'm having those feelings. It's just, I just get down. And it's like if someone just has these odd moments where people would say like negative things to me or I have a disagreement with a friend or what I thought was a friend, you know, or I have to make those decisions about who I have around me. Like when people say certain things and, you know, I just, I, I just had those moments where like, okay, if that's how you want to be. I, I need to reassess the people that I have in my life. Not everybody's going to be out for your best interest. And most people who are in your life are only there for themselves. They only want to get what they can get from you and they'll move on. You're basically going to be used by a lot of people in your life. And you guys know that. You guys know that. There's no sense in hiding that. But honestly, I can pinpoint when it started, like when this depression hit me. It was right around the time when um, 
before my grandmother-in-law passed. And I hate to even call her my grandmother-in-law, but that's just telling you guys who she was. You know, I never really had many, many positive people in my life. You know, me and my mother, we had our issues, but you know, she's still my mother. I still love her dearly. And you know, but I never really had a father, never really had a male figure in my life, personally. You know, I always looked to celebrities and people that I, you know, didn't really know, actors or athletes, stuff like that, to be the male figures in my life, but a few strong female figures in my life. And, um, and I, I come from a big family too, so you know, that just goes to show that, you know, you can't really rely on people to actually, you know, be stand-up people. But, but like I said, it just came about, you know, when I lost, when we lost her. I can't say when I, because I, I just wasn't the only one affected by it. And I'm still affected by it. Because, you know, my wife and I have taken over her house. And I get a reminder every day, like, okay, it's time to do this, it's time to do that. You know, Granny's watching you, you know, you're representing her and stuff like that. So that's around the time my depression hit because she knew a lot about me. You know, I had a good 19 and a half years of knowing that woman, knowing Marilyn Thomas and her being so influential in my life so influential in my life and it just when I didn't have granny to say uh you know the things she would say to me it would it would get to me honestly when I didn't have her and my mother-in-law as well when I didn't have her when I, I don't have her anymore either but that's and it wasn't it wasn't so much that I couldn't I couldn't find that happiness through my wife or my kids I just didn't want to be a burden to anybody and losing such an influential person in my life it just it really got to me it really did I mean my maternal grandfather passed my maternal grandmother passed and I didn't shed a tear at all my maternal grandmother lives um, about two minutes from me right now where we're living right now I don't even talk to her I don't even speak to her my family I got a very big family and you know I live close to a lot of them. Do I have a good relationship with them? No. Do I wish it was better? Yes. I wish my relationship with my family was much better. But it's not. And, you know, I'm 36 years old and I don't really want to repair it. <laughs> that's kind of bad on my my behalf. But, hey, that's, that it, it is what it is when I've tried so hard and I've gotten so little in return. You know, I, I wish my family bond was as strong as it was when I was little, but it's not. So, you know, so there's nothing for me to cry about and complain about. I got my kids and I got my wife and I got people close to me. I got a few family members who I'm very close to, but that's not that's not what I'm talking about. My depression or what I feel is depression. I haven't been diagnosed with anything, so I can't really say, oh, I'm depressed. You know, I'm not. I, I can't say that. My depression really came about when I, I started getting these feelings and thoughts came about around the time that she passed away. And it just felt, it just felt like I didn't have anybody else to turn to. You know, me and my mother were are so off and on. And, you know, even though I, I wish I would, I could connect more with my sister. But just like I said, I don't 
I don't want to be a burden upon anybody. And not to say, you know, I need help. I want help. I want help. Help me. Help me. No, it's just I know how I am when I love somebody. I love them a little too strong. And Candace can tell you that. Candace can really tell you that. And it's like, just calm down. I ain't going nowhere. Just calm down. You don't got to call every day or text every day or whatever, whatever. You know, let me have my life and stuff like that. You know, I need to learn to pull back some. But when you were without it so long... And like I said, I really blossomed when I met Candace. I just wanted love and I wanted appreciation and I wanted to show appreciation to everybody around me. And I just, like I said, I, I, I go too far a lot of the times for the wrong people. And when I say the wrong people, I usually try to connect with everybody. And I can't, I can't, I can't. And like I told you guys before of those of that reoccurring dream that I used to have that I wanted to save the entire world. You know, I didn't want anybody to go through anything. I wanted to protect everybody from everything. And I can't do that. I can't do that. I can only protect the ones that are close to me. And and I and in, in, in actuality, you can't even do that. You just have to, you know, keep faith and try to be as positive as you can and try to be as stable as you can in the ones that you love life in their life and just pray nothing bad comes their way you know try to teach them like like I try to teach my children and Candace even you know how to maneuver around certain people and how to how to you know people watch and how to you know say less think more stuff like that you know but my depression isn't it isn't really gonna I, I, I hope it's not going to be around more. You know, sorry I'm jumbling around and jumping around, but y'all know how I am. Y'all know how this podcast is. I'm having a conversation with friends. I'm not trying to gain fans. I'm not. If it happens, it happens. But I'm really having a conversation with friends, with people who I hold close to me. And one day I hope to meet you guys. Pounds and hugs and stuff like that. And you can tell me like, hey. I went through that too, or that happened to me too, or your relationship helped me through my relationship. Your parenting helped me through my parenting. That's the kind of connection I want to have with you guys, and I only feel I only feel that I can have that connection if I'm honest. And right now, I'm just trying to be honest and real, and that's the only way we can be on this podcast is honest and real. So, like I said. I know I could, you know, reach out and connect with other people in my life, but I, like I said, I, I don't, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be a burden. I'm always here. I'm always here for people when they're going through something. But when it's me, I can't really like, all right, you know, hey, help me now, stuff like that. And you know, I'm needy. I don't, I don't want to feel needy. <laughs> I guess. But like I said, those those moments when I'm feeling depressed, it just it hits me. It really does. I get down and I text Candace. I'm like, okay, I'm going through this, and this is what's happening on the inside. It's like when somebody says something to me wrong, and it's like when I haven't done anything to that person. I, I really don't know how to be diplomatic. I only know how to attack. Like when somebody were to do something bad or something happened, you know, bad to the kids or something like that. I'm not the, okay, let's think. I'm always action first, and that's not always a good thing. That's not always a good thing. So once I started thinking and actually started using my mind more, it's like, okay, I don't have to be angry 
I don't have to lash out at people. I could just let them go. And if they don't, you know, come back into my life, they don't. If they don't realize that their words and their actions really struck a chord with me, then oh well, forget them. But it really, it really does get to me when people who I call friends or, you know, something like that, say things, do things. I'm like, okay, now I got to make that decision. Family too. Family too. I got to make those decisions to cut them on my life because I'm not only... I'm not here but myself. I got five kids. I got Candace. You know, I can't really just have negative people around me just for the sake of having people in my life. You know, too many people make that mistake where, okay, I got friends and I'm trying to please everybody just to have friends and I don't want anybody out of my life. I want to make everybody happy. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm never going to be a I'm sorry person. You know, if you have a problem with me, we need to address it. Or if I got a problem with you, we need to address it. And if you feel bad, you feel bad. But at least we're having an honest discussion. We're being open with each other. You know, I'm not going to be one to say, oh, well, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to say that. No, no, I'm not here to please anybody. I'm here to be myself. Unapologetic my way. And that's what I want everybody else to be. Be real and be yourself. If they don't want to be in your life, then you're not missing anything. You're not missing anything. If you have things you don't want in your life and don't want around you, and those people are causing harm or bringing bad energy around you, get rid of them. Get rid of them. Simple as that. Just get rid of them. You know, once they realize that, okay, this is how I need to be, or this is how I need to be, and I'm not saying they, you know, you're setting your standards or whatever, whatever. No, you're not. You just don't want things in your life. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having that. Like, okay, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't want anybody around me that drinks or smokes because I'm around my children. I'm around my wife. If you drink, smoke, whatever, whatever, I don't want you here. Go to show. Or if you do, or if I do, you know, have a relationship with you and you do smoke, you do drink, you know, you can't do it in the house. And I've lost plenty of friends like that. Oh, I can't light this up or I can't pour this drink or whatever while I'm here. No, you can't because I know what that leads to. And most people, they, you know, get a little bit mouthy or whatever, whatever, or they feel they can do what they want if you allow them to do what they want. And you can't. You can't allow people just to do whatever they want to say, whatever they want around you. You have to have, you know, you have to set things for yourself. Like, okay, this is what I don't want, but this is what I want. So there's nothing wrong with that. You're not being a bad person. You're not being ignorant. You're not being, you're not trying to be holier than thou or whatever, if you want to say that. You're not trying to be that. But like I said, back to what I was saying, it just gets to me when I go through that. When, when that happens it just it honestly gets to me and I just I, I don't I don't want to feel that way anymore I don't want I don't want to be depressed I don't want to be down I don't want to have moments where you know myself and Candace are arguing when she's like I, I'm, I'm worried about you I'm worried about you and I'm lashing out at her because you know I don't want her to be but it's just that when she says certain things to me I get defensive and mad at her but it's not like I'm getting like angry and stuff like that it's just like, all right, I'm telling you what's wrong with me, but it feels like you're not listening. You know, maybe I need to learn to communicate more. And believe me, I try to. Believe me, believe me. This relationship has been around the corner and back, up and down, to the moon. 
and all of this stuff. We've been everywhere in this relationship. And right now we're at the phase where we understand each other. We just want to be together. That's it. We just want to be together regardless of what happens as long as we're still together. It's like we tell you guys all of the time. We may not make it. This, this marriage may not make it, but one thing's for sure, we're going to be together. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. We're always going to be together. Come back, girl. Sorry about that, guys. Like I said, I'm outside. But um, we're always going to be together. We know we know the, di- the dynamic and the force that we are together. And I'm never going to let Candace out of my life. Just like she's never going to let myself out of her life. But like I said, we know that this marriage is daily. Our marriage is every day. We're not married for a month, married for married for a couple of months, and we got to reassess things. No, we're married every, daily. This marriage is worked on every day. And I'm not perfect. I'm not. I'm nowhere near perfect. But in in the in the direction we're going now, there's uncertainty. Just just anyway, there's uncertainty anyway. But like I said, the one thing that's for sure. I'm forever going to love her, and she's forever going to love me. But, like I said, back to my depression, and I'm and I'm sort of easy with it now. I can cope with it. I can deal with it. It doesn't take over me. It doesn't cause me to do harm, like I said. But, like I said, it just, it's just a mental thing. I get down. I get real down. Really do. But, like I said, I can only be open and honest with you guys. So, and that's what we what we are over here at GMH OMP. We're open. We're honest. We talk about whatever. We say whatever. It's unscripted. It's really unapologetic. Because I know I say a lot of things. People are like, wait a minute. Why did you say that? But like I said, I love doing this. And I'm going to continue doing this. And we are we are going to continue this episode. But I just had to get that out. That at times I feel like just things are just rushing at me too fast. And I just need to reassess things. But I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm going to be okay. I, I know I'm going to be okay. I know I'm going to be okay. So I'm not going to let this beat me. It's not going to become a problem. You're not going to see me on social media crying over whatever, whatever, or just lashing out at things because that's not who I am. That's not who I am. You know, I'm okay, guys. No need to worry. You know, I love you guys. I thank you guys for all of your support. So we're just gonna continue right along with this episode. Um, just got news that uh, Pernell Sweet P. Whitaker passed away. Boxing legend, one of the greatest boxers boxers ever. If you go back and watch some of his highlights, his fights with um De La Hoya, Julio Cesar Chavez, and the likes, and um, he was just phenomenal, way ahead of his time. His style, his speed, his flamboyance, everything you want in a boxer. Pernell, Pernell Whitaker was that. So, everything you want in a boxer. And um, he passed away in his hometown of Virginia. Heard he got struck by a car. He was hit by a car last night. And that could have, honestly, honest freak accident. I'm not saying it was he was targeted or whatever, whatever, but... But um, he was struck by a car and he passed. He was 55 years old. So, you know, my condolences go out to him, his loved ones, his family, his fans. You know, rest in peace, Pernell. You know, you sort of hate to hear when your heroes fall. 
you hate to hear your heroes going through anything. And I myself, growing up the way I grew up, just like millions of others. How you doing? There you go. Just like millions of others. Growing up, you know, the way that we grew up, we really didn't have role models. Our role models weren't weren't somebody we seen. Our role models most likely did things that we shouldn't be doing. I'm going to be real honest with y'all right now. A lot of my role models were bad people because that's all I was around. That's all I was around. I mean, I had my few... I have my few shining spots here, though. But most likely they were bad people, whether it would be gang members who protected me, whether it would be drug dealers who had the money and stuff like that, or whether it would be, you know, people who fought all the time or something like that, somebody that made me feel tough, like a lot of my family members. A lot of my family members, all we did was fight. So all we did was fight. But we loved each other, but we loved each other strong. We loved each other hard. A lot of it was tough love. But like I said... I really don't have that relationship with my family anymore. I wish I did, but I don't. You know, I got a few cousins here and there, and a few people that I really love and, you know, reach out to. But as far as it being as close as it was, it's not. It's not. I wish it was. Like I said, I wish it was. But back to what I was talking about, you know, the way we, the way I came up, your heroes aren't somebody that you can touch. Your idols aren't somebody that you can touch. And... And honestly, I, I believe, you know, Pernell Whitaker was a hero, a legend, idol, icon to most people. Because um, he grew up in um, Virginia. And, um, and, if you, and if you guys know certain parts of Virginia, it's, it's you know, they, they call it a, a lot of it was a bad news. It was a Newport news, I believe. And, um, but it was a bad, bad spot, but there's a lot of roses in that concrete. A lot of roses in that concrete. A lot of people who you guys idolize, idolize. Allen Iverson, Michael Vick, Pernell, Pernell Whitaker. You know, a lot of football, a lot of basketball players, a lot of athletes, actors come from that spot where nothing is supposed to grow. But it does. It does. And it's like I tell everybody, you aren't your surroundings. You aren't your surroundings. That's a lot of things that's around us right now that I wish we weren't around, that I wish my children weren't around, that I wish they didn't have to see. But it's happening. It's here. Nothing I can do about it. Nothing I can do about it. But just protect them the way that I can protect them and show them that there is life beyond it. So like I said, you know, he, great boxer. You know, if you never heard of him, Please look them up. Come up, YouTube. Great highlights, great person, great smile. You know, so rest in heaven. Pernell. You know, thank you for all, all you've given us and you'll never die. Your legacy will never die. But um, I'm going to uh, stop this first part of the podcast because I know Candace is about to call me and that usually interrupts, um, interrupts this when I'm on this, when I'm on the app on the phone. So, um, you know, like I said, thank you guys for tuning in. We're going to continue this with our regular episode later on today. This will be posted. So we love you guys. Thank you very much. All right, let me get myself situated. All right, welcome to another episode of Get My Husband Off My Podcast. Like I said, I know I 
the first part of the podcast was recorded a couple of days ago. And I've had um, quite the last few days while you're listening to this one. All right. As you guys heard, first part of the podcast, I was basically discussing my bout with depression. How it came about, what I do to cope with it, what what happens during it. Um, again, then again, the next day, quite honestly, the next day, I honestly believe everything that I stated talking about my depression, like how I feel about certain family members and certain people in my life and and speaking on a little bit of what happens, I honestly dwell on too much. I honestly do. I honestly should just let the people who want to be in my life be in my life and let the people who don't want to be in my life, quite honestly, just walk out. I shouldn't dwell on it. I shouldn't feel bad about certain things coworkers say or family members or whatever, people that, that I just come across. Because quite honestly... For a good for a good part of my life, I didn't care about anything or anybody. I honestly didn't. I honestly didn't because I had no direction. I had no stability. So that showed in how I portrayed myself to people. It was only up up until I quite honestly met met B. I'm sorry, met <laughs> met my wife, met Candace. Um, that everything started to change. My relationship with people got better. My relationship with God got better. My relationship with myself got better. Um, but like I said, what I stated about my depression and, and why I go through it or why I feel that I go through it, the very next day, um, I had what the doctor told me was pulmonary hypertension. She basically told me that even just like a lot of people said the exact same thing to me, that even Superman takes his cape off from good friends of mine to family members to the doctor Everybody says, look, you need to sit down. And you guys know from my post on Instagram about my my running to work and then I would work all day and then come home and I rate, weight train and still try to be a husband and a father and I use up about 19, 19 to 20 hours of a 24-hour day because I only sleep about four hours a day. And then I get up and do it all over again. And the doctor told me, just because you don't stress about it, just because you feel you can physically do anything, your mind can't, and basically your body can't. You must rest. You mustn't. You must not dwell on things. You mustn't keep things. Keep things inside of you to the point to where it basically kills you. It'll basically kill you. And I know I try to be as motivating as I can on social media, but. Honestly, when I look in the mirror, I honestly do that. I do all of that ranting and yelling and screaming while I train and stuff to basically hold myself accountable and just to let myself know that everything's going to be okay. But like I said, pulmonary hypertension, but let me tell you guys how it came about. I was training, of course. I got done about a half an hour in. About a half an hour later, 45 minutes later, I'm getting ready for work. And suddenly I felt like a sudden shock to my heart. And 
basically my, my legs, my abdomen, my lower back, my upper back, everywhere just sort of got real tight and it, I couldn't move. So I, I basically fell flat to the floor. I was in so much pain. I was screaming. I was crying. The kids, I scared the kids. And um, but I'm trying to get my thoughts together. I, I really don't want to talk about it, but I have to. I have to. Scared the kids and, you know, got a hold of my wife, got a hold of the ambulance, fire department, stuff like that. And, um, it, you know, took me to the hospital, did so many EKGs on me. I didn't think that was necessary. There were like four or five of them, I believe. I was in and out of I was in and out of it, guys, to be honest with you. Crying and the stay at the hospital, the five, six hours I was at the hospital wasn't wasn't very pleasant, honestly, because I was around so much negativity from the workers to the administrators to the patients. It was so many fights and so many times that I had to explain to the doctors and the nurses and the people that I that, you know, what's wrong with me isn't because of drugs. Because basically everybody that was there, a good seven out of the ten people that I was around were there for overdoses or drug-related issues. And they figured, oh, you're coming in complaining about your heart, and basically you took something to accelerate your heart rate, or, you know, you, you were having an overdose and stuff like that, and I was trying to tell them that's not the case with myself. It's not the case with me. But all of that aside, I'm going to get back to that whole thing in a second, but First, I want to apologize to my wife, to my little sister, to my nephew, because we had a full episode recorded last night, and I actually got my little sister on this episode, and I don't get to talk to her as much, but we we, we talk a lot through text and through, through social media and stuff, but to actually hear her voice was, was a blessing for me, quite honestly. And the only reason why you guys are hearing me right now and nobody and nobody else is because the audio messed up. I think I put our output um our output cord into a into a slot that it not that it doesn't work in. And basically none of the audio was you weren't able to hear it. So so I had to re I had to re-upload. I tried to re-upload it and everything by changing the sounds and changing Changing the uh, output on the speakers and stuff like that. It didn't work. It didn't work. I'm not as tech savvy as I should be, but I'm working on it. But like I said, all of it got just, it was, it isn't deleted. I still have it, but I can't hear any of it. So once I figure out how to properly upload it so you can't hear it, I'm going to re-upload that entire episode because I still have it though. But I'm going I'm to re-upload that entire episode because my sister spoke on her surrogacy, why she does it, what happens. She's not doing it for any income. She's doing it because she basically wants to help people. And that's why I feel that we have the connection that we have. And even though our, the way we came about to knowing knowing about each other and knowing each other was was quite the story and you know I once again I'm not going to tell it by myself because I can't because you guys have to hear how we interact and how her words make me feel and how my my words make her feel and to hear my nephew say I love you and I love you uncles that that was that was a blessing right there that really was a blessing right there 
But like I said, I'm going to keep it and figure out how to upload the audio. And I'm going to give it to you guys because you couldn't hear anything Candace said, anything I said, anything, nothing. But that's not the first time that happened. That has happened to us on numerous occasions where we'll leave everything hooked up the proper way and everything like that. And then we'll go to playback and nothing, nothing comes about. So right now I'm going to try to do this podcast justice by just doing an episode by myself. I know I've done it plenty of times before, but I'm kind of not in my right mind. I'm still very much in pain. But I'm going to soldier through it. And just like I tell you guys on Instagram, it can either build you or break you. And I'm not going to let this break me. I'm not. I mean, it just honestly feels like certain movements I have, I either feel a shock in my leg or shock in my lower back, my chest, my abdomen, it like gets real tight. I'm still having that, that, that shortness of breath issue. But honestly, all my vital signs came back fine, blood work, everything came back perfect. She said, you're in perfect health. My blood pressure was high when I left the house, as my wife told me. But when I got to the hospital, everything was normal. And I guess that's the reason why they put me through so many EKGs. Just to make sure, just like, well, why are you still in pain? Are you still hurting? And I'm like, ma'am, I'm, I'm in, I'm in immense pain. But she was like, well, everything's coming back fine. Your, your CAT scans came back fine. X-ray came back fine. Nothing is wrong with you. Like physically, she's like, physically, I can see nothing wrong with you. She was like, you're in excellent shape, but she's like, just it's physically, I see nothing wrong with you. So honestly. Like I told you guys before, I felt I did it to myself. And we can't make ourselves either think we're doing much better than we are or we can actually make ourselves extremely sick. We honestly can mentally make ourselves extremely sick. I, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a professional, but the only thing I can think for myself it's to be as honest as possible. It's to be as honest as possible. Be as open as possible. And don't hold anything in. Don't let anything get to me. Even though in this the state of the state of the world, the way that the world is, how can you not let anything get to you? How can you not feel pain or feel sorrow or feel anything? But I gotta keep God first, guys. And just like you guys heard in the beginning of the podcast, I have a great support system. Just like I just said, you do it to yourself. You make yourself believe the bad. You make yourself believe. You make yourself believe there's more good than bad. And that happened to me, honestly, because I need to look at the people I do have, and not feel sorry for myself or not sit there and question anything and wonder why this happened or why that happened. I have a great support system. Let me say that again. I have a great support system. My wife got my mother, even though our relationship is how it is. It's, it's, she's still my mother. I have a great relationship with my sister. I have a great relationship with my little brother. We just aren't as, I can't say 
emotional because you know we we men first, so men aren't going to be in my in in, in my ex- experience, men aren't as emotional until they absolutely need to be. There's no turning back. There's no other way. You can't hide it. You can't laugh it off. You can't joke it off, or whatever. But I have a great support system. Just because certain people aren't in my life, I don't need to dwell on it. I don't need to feel bad about it. I just need to let it be and move on and continue to build the solid foundation that I have with a lot of other people, the solid relationships I have with a lot of other people that my wife is building with people now because, as you guys know, from 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 being family members of ours, because we don't have fans, we got family. So we're gonna gain, we're gonna continue to gain new family members through this podcast. But like I said, through the family members that we are gaining, it's not as bad as I painted it. You know, me and my family used to be close, true enough. But I have a great relationship with a lot of them, and you know, a lot of them don't want to be mentioned on this podcast. So <laughs> I'm not gonna mention them on the podcast, but they know who they are. And I love you guys for that. I love you guys for that. And I tell you guys I love you guys. I just talked to one of them a couple of weeks ago. And I met my little cousin, you know, her grandson, my little cousin. I love that just a little bit of time we got to sit out and laugh and joke. And another cousin of mine who I used to spend a lot of time with, when I was coming up, but, you know, we lost contact as we grew older. But now we're connected, you know, through through social media, we're connected, and we see each other's everyday lives. And I love him for that. And he loved me. And, you know, one of these days he's going to be on the podcast too. And we're just going to, you know, interact and stuff like that and just build that relationship, keep continue that bond. So it's not like I have nobody, as I'm trying to say. I do. I have plenty of people. So the beginning of the podcast was just basically myself explaining my depression. Luckily, I'm able to explain it and not, and not, you know, be be haunted by it, be held down by it. I'm able to understand it. So I'm just doing this episode, like I said, because we had a great, great one last night. But, you know, I told you guys what happened. But it was just great for me to talk to my sister. It really made me feel so much better. It honestly made me feel so much better. So, Chelsea, Aramis, I love you guys so much. Love your family. And like we said last night, we're going to get together. We, we're, we're definitely going to get together. And to everyone who prayed and wished me well, thank you so much from the bottom. Thank you so much. Greatly and truly appreciate all. But let's go ahead and get down with this episode. You know, there's a few things that I want to touch on, a few things that I want to talk about. And we discussed a lot of it last night. But, you know, like I said, you guys can hear it. So I'm going to replay a little bit, add a little bit, tell a few stories and stuff like that. I'm going to tell you guys a couple of stories from my stay at the hospital, too. Cause it was extremely funny. It was it was it was funny. Okay, can, can I say funny? I'm gonna say funny. If you were there, it wasn't funny. If you knew, you know, why they were in the hospital, you know, it wasn't you know it wasn't really funny. But what happened was funny. So just let me laugh, damn it. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I can go ahead and start off with that. Okay, I'm sitting in the hospital. Get off the uh, chair. Get off the, the gurney that they had me on. And first of all, I think, you know, the, the, the EMTs and stuff like that, and all of, you know, people who are paid to protect and serve and aid and stuff like that, y'all need to go through a weight training program because I'm not the biggest person in the world. I'm 5'11", 6 foot, about 230. I'm not small. I ain't big, you know. But anyways, and I say that to say this. I was in so much pain laying on my floor. I actually asked them to handle me as they would handle an elderly woman. And I said that because I was in so much pain. I didn't want to move, but they had to move me. So as they're lifting me up, I'm being shaken and I was sort of kind of dropped and the guy was struggling to lift me up. And I'm like, sir, please don't drop me. So as they load me into the wheelchair, I'm asking them, I'm like, can you guys just pick the chair up? You know, I don't want to, I don't want to hit every step basically because I'm in pain. So they said, okay, ma'am, okay, ma'am. They start calling me ma'am, and they said they were going to get my dentures and stuff like that because I told them to handle me like an elderly woman. Did they lift the wheelchair up? No, it was eight of them, and only two people tried to carry me out of my house. I hit every step. I felt every bit of that. They loaded me onto the gurney. I hit the pole on the gurney, the side rail. Hit that. And I looked at him and I'm like, sir, can you please handle me with a little bit more care than that? Because I don't want to be in pain because of, from the people who are trying to save me, basically. So, load me into the ambulance. Get me here. They must have hit every, every bump in St. Louis. So, get to the hospital. And... They're like, okay, you know, can you stand up and sit down? And I'm like, no, I can't stand up and sit down. Could I, could I, could I stand up when you got me out of my house? No, I couldn't. So I see this real big security guard. His name's David. I can say his name because I'm never going to see him again, possibly. But anyway, <laughs> I see this real big security guard. I said, excuse me, sir, could you come here? And he says, oh, no, I don't feel like dealing with any addicts today. And I'm like, I'm like, first of all, First of all, Duke, I'm not an addict. Second of all, I honestly need help. I just need your help getting out of this bed. So he stands at my feet and he reaches out. And I was like, all right, dude, I just had a real bad shock to my heart. I don't know whether or not I had a heart attack. Can you just come help me up? So he steps over me and he's looking all mean and trying to look all tough. And I look at him and I say, first of all, you can get the mean look off the face. Cause all you're doing is helping the patient. That's all you're doing. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not trying to fight you. I ain't trying to do nothing. So he kind of chuckles, and as he bends down, I take my good arm <laughs> and I wrap it around his neck as tight as I can. And I was like, "All right, you gonna have to lift me up." And he's looking at me, and I'm like, "Dude, if you you can make this slow, or you can make this quick. Just pick me up carefully." So he lifts me up and he sits me down in the chair. You know, I say thank you, and I'm sitting there. And, and, um, I'm sorry about that, guys. I'm sitting there, and next thing I know, I see these two armed guards come in, like armed police officers, stuff like that. Well, police officers are armed, but they weren't police officers. They was like, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what the hell they were, y'all. 
They had badges on. They had guns. I assume they were cops, but they weren't. So, anyways, they if you guys have ever seen Silence of the Lambs, um, that scene where uh, Anthony Hopkins is carried like on that on that little that that little uh, willy thing. He has the chains on. He has a thing over his over his face, stuff like that. Okay, none of that happened at the hospital where I was at. But they brought this dude in, young guy. He was shackled. Feet were shackled together. Um, wrists were shackled together. Guess where they choose to sit him? Right next to me. And like I said, I'm still in so much pain because I didn't take the medicine that they were trying to offer me on the um on uh in the ambulance because he told me he was like, This is good for your withdrawals. And I was like, Homeboy, I ain't got no withdrawals. I'm 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 fine, I don't do drugs, I don't drink. I've stated that three times. At that moment, I've already told three people, three different people that, that I'm like, I don't do drugs, I don't drink. So, I didn't get any medicine. So, keep in mind, I'm still sitting there, tears are falling from my face because I'm in so much pain. But I guess the main thing I'm crying about, crying from, is the feeling that my children had. Seeing what I hope to be is their, you know, hero, stuff like that, you know. Someone they look up to, I hope I am. Laying there screaming and crying in pain, not being able to move. So I'm crying from that, and they sit this guy next to me. And I pull my hands from my face, and I look to my right, and I see this guy in these shackles and stuff. And I look at the cops, and they sitting like, they sitting probably five inches from me because this guy, I guess, is violent. So I look at the cop, and I said, sir, could you come here for a second? And he's already like five inches from me, so he's pretty close. I was like, come here for a second. Because like I said, shortness of breath, I couldn't really talk. I couldn't talk normal like I am now. I was, it was basically a whisper. So I leaned down, whispering, whispering in the cop's ear. I was like, is he violent? I'm sorry if you guys didn't hear that. I said, is he violent? And the cop looks at me, and he was like, what do you mean violent? I'm like, dude, I just had a very bad shock to my heart i'm in so much pain right now the only thing i can honestly do is choke him out and the cop looked at me like why are you saying you're gonna choke this man i was like because if he gets violent i'm not gonna let y'all wrestle with him like by me because i don't want you like to bump into me and then like that or lean on me or anything because we kind of close so if he gets violent the only thing i'm gonna do is wrap my arm around his neck and choke him till he stops moving Basically, I ain't trying to kill him. I'm just trying to put him to sleep. You know, I, I've been watching wrestling all my life, so I know how to properly do a sleeper hole. Hopefully, I know how to properly do a sleeper hole. Matter of fact, let me think about that. Think about that. You put your arm on his neck, and you put your other arm like by his ear, and you just squeeze tight. I guess that's how you do the sleeper hole. Plenty of wrestlers taught me how to do it. You know, so anyway... Anyways, yeah, I'm, I, I think I can do a sleeper hole. I, I honestly do. I forgot whose finisher that was. Um, but anyways, <laughs> sorry about that, y'all. But anyways, if I had to choke dude out, I was gonna choke him out, damn it. But like I'm saying, um, they sit dude next to me, and he was like, "Oh no, I'm not violent." I'm like, "Well, most people who aren't violent aren't sitting, aren't shackled, basically." So I was like, "What you, you know, what you in the hospital for?" He was like, oh, I'm in the hospital for withdrawals. I'm having withdrawals symptoms from drugs. So I was like, all right. Next thing I know, this real big dude. 
come walking down the walking down the uh walking down the hallway. And I'm in the I'm and I'm in the emergency room, but I'm in the waiting part of the emergency room. So they come walking down the hallway and this dude, probably about six four, six five. Probably about a good 250, 260. Big dude, big dude. Security guard, same guy, David, <laughs> walks him over to his seat. He said, all right, you know, sit down. The doctor will be with you in a moment. And he said, okay, let me take my harness off. So I'm looking. Dude ain't got no fucking harness on, y'all. So he starts, like, taking off an imaginary suit. And he's folding this imaginary suit. Puts the suit down. And he sits down. And I look at David, and I said, you need to sit next to him. And I look back at the cops, and I say, y'all need to keep this dude, like, you know, calm him down. Give him a sucker. Give him some applesauce or something like that to calm him down. Because I swear, if he if he jumps wrong, remember I just said I know I do a sleep of hope. So anyway, so the dude gets up probably five minutes later, and he's walking towards the exit, like, the, to the actual waiting room where family members are and stuff like that. So he walking towards the exit, and David was like, I'm sorry if I keep calling this dude David like I know him. I don't, but, you know, that's just his name. So anyways, David was like, David was like, all right, you know, sir, you can sit down. He's like, no, I'm a patient. I'm a patient. And he was like, I know you're a patient. I need you to sit down. So he says, man, that's, that's messed up. That's messed up. So he sits down. Luckily, and I say luckily, Probably by the grace of God, I can't say luckily because it was by the grace of God that they called me to go to my my area of what was possibly a closet with a bunch of chairs in it and IVs and such. So they go sit me down and stuff, and they ask me more questions. They take um, so many valves of blood from me. Like he was like, well, they they were they were only supposed to take possibly three valves of blood, but they took six valves of blood from me, and gave me another EKG. This is now my third EKG, and um, they give me so much medicine, like all, all of this fentanyl and Valium and stuff like that, stuff that I denied that I wanted because, of, like when I got home, I was sick. I was sick to my stomach because of that feeling. But anyway, I'm sitting there. Sitting in this room, and I I had been texting Candace, just making her making sure that she was okay, which she wasn't. But you know, that's just what you do. You worry about the ones you love, and you pray for them. So I, I thank her for that. But that's a story for later in the podcast. But anyway, I'm sitting there, and you know I'm I'm okay. I'm still in slight pain because the medicine hasn't kicked in, and even when it kicked in, y'all, I still didn't feel the shit. I still didn't feel it. You know, I was, I'm, medicine really doesn't work on me. You know, when I got a toothache, I got a toothache until that tooth is out of my mouth. When, you know, when I broke my leg in three different places a couple of months ago that you guys knew about, my leg was broken and I felt that shit until, I, until it healed. It healed in a month, but, you know, the doctor said it's kind of miraculous that you broke a bone and your, your ankle your shin and your leg and you know you 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 find in a month but anyway that's not that that that's in the past this is now well that this is this in the past too but i'm just telling y'all the story damn it so <laughs> so uh so i'm sitting there i stopped crying and stuff um, my mother's there my little brother's there his girlfriend's there uh my uncle and my mother told me my father was on his way that's another story 
So that's the thing I know. I hear security, security. So I, I kind of try to look out the door. And it was the dude that was sitting next to me, the one who was in shackles. He jumps up, like jumps up on the chair. And he says, this is true shit to y'all. He jumps up on the chair and he says, I got a shit. So I'm thinking to myself, why don't they just let the man go to the bathroom? The cop was like, no, I'm not taking those fucking handcuffs off of you. You're just going to have to sit there. He was like, so you're not going to wipe my ass for me. You're not going to wipe my ass for me. Like loudly. And he's jumping on the seat. He's jumping from seat to seat. So had he jumped from seat to seat while I was still out there, y'all already know what was going to happen. Sleep a time. He was going to sleep. He was going to sleep. But anyway, <laughs> so they subdue him. They subdue him. And he starts crying, saying he's cold, saying this and that, basically just trying to get out of being in the hospital, trying to get back to the uh, justice center where he was being held at. So he went, he threw a couple of fits and stuff like that. He threw some fits. But like I said, luckily I wasn't out there. Okay. Like I said, I wasn't out there, so there was no need for the sleeper hold to be applied. So like I said, he was just trying to get out of being in the hospital, basically got tired of being there. So his antics stop. And that's the thing I know, possibly 45 minutes to an hour later, I hear security, security, security. Like real loud. So the dude with the harness on previously, real big dude, they actually had to put him in a room. So he got very angry when the doctor tried to put the IV in his arm and he grabbed the doctor and he threw him. So as he threw the doctor, he tries to run out again and six to seven security guards and a couple of doctors tackled this dude. So, and all he was saying, all he was screaming, he kept screaming, I'm a patient, I'm a patient, I'm a patient, I'm a patient. But he's fighting them. So it was a surreal moment, honestly, to witness. But it's sad, too, just because I know why he was in there. And I see firsthand the effects of drugs. Honestly, guys, I just walked um, to um, to the grocery to, not to the grocery store, but to the gas station to get some money so Candace can get to work. And um, you know, even I, I'm not supposed to be walking anyways, but still, but still, I still did it anyways because that's what you do. So as I'm walking, I call them zombies, call them black zombies or zombies anyways because of the drug, what the drugs due to your system and due to your body you're basically not in control of yourself and the way that you look and the way that you act they act just like you know things off the walking dead so i'm walking around three o'clock and three o'clock and four o'clock in the morning out there and i see them and it's a horrible sight to see and i'm walking up the quick trip and i see this guy on the ground and it's like six or seven cops and there's three or four you know drug addicts zombies whatever and they're around and they just laughing and giggling and this dude is threatening the cop, but he's subdued. He's in chains. And I'm walking as slowly as I possibly can or as carefully as I can past this guy. 
And, you know, like I said, I get I get my stuff, I come home, but, you know, I'm jumping anyways because that happened this morning, but I was telling you guys about what happened at the hospital. So, anyway, let's get back to the big dude throwing all of the administrators and doctors and security guards around. Um, I'm going to be real honest with y'all. You can believe it if you want to. They got this guy calm and quiet with ice cream, honestly. I got this big 6'5", 260, 270-pound dude. He looked like quiet with ice cream because he saw this lady who was also sitting in the waiting area of the emergency room eating ice cream. And he said, ma'am, like just out the blue, right after he hit the security guard, they got both of this man's hands behind his back, his legs, they sitting on top of him. All he does is look up. Sees this lady who almost dropped the ice cream on the floor because, you know, the commotion and stuff. Man was at ice cream. And she looks down and she said, yes. And he says, after I get these ropes off of me, I want some ice cream. And everybody looks. They look around. And I'm looking. And I'm like, motherfucker, this is this is some crazy shit. So they get off of them carefully, but they have them still subdued. They put the um, little plastic things around his um, legs and his wrists and stuff. They have them subdued, and they said, okay, we're going to go get you some ice cream. And they actually went and got this dude a couple of cups of vanilla ice cream. And he was fine. He was fine. No more commotion I heard out of this dude. But anyway, another one of those unbelievable things that happened to me. You can believe it if you want to. I could less. If you was there, you would be like, damn, Harrison, this actually, yeah, it, it did happen. They got this big-ass dude quiet with ice cream. But like I said, shit was hilarious. But I couldn't laugh that much because I was in pain. So, um, like I said, my mother came back to talk to me. She asked me what happened and stuff like that. And, you know, she said, you, you do do a lot. You try to take on a lot. And, you know, everybody tries to tell you, you don't have to, but I honestly feel that I do. I, I know it's wrong, guys, but I honestly feel that I do. And I had a talk with my, talk with my pastor, who's a very good friend of mine. So I, I really hate even calling him, him, him pastor or people I know from church because they're great people. Great people. Honestly, great people. And they helped myself and Candace out a lot. Damn it. I'm sorry about that, guys. My massage ball just fell all the way across the room and I don't feel like going to get it. So I'm going to try to lay in a more comfortable position. Hold on for one second. <laughs> Okay, that's much better. Okay. Oh, my gosh. All right, guys. Um, so I'm sitting back and talking to my mother and stuff like that. She's telling me everybody just out there. And she says, well, your, your dad's out there. And I was like, well, Mama, I really kind of don't want to see him because I pretty much know how the conversation is going to go. Very predictable. The conversation is going to go. He's going to come in and ask me, is y'all all right? this and that 
I guess he's going to expect to embrace or whatever, but I reached my hand out, I shook his hand and stuff. And then he started, you know, talking about himself, stuff like that, which is, it's, that's okay, I can't judge. I honestly can't judge him. You know, hey, that's what you do. Um, We don't have the best relationship. We don't. We don't. I try so I tried for so many years to be a father. I mean, I'm sorry. I tried so many years to be a son, to be what I thought a son is supposed to be. Look up to your dad and see your dad is doing nothing wrong. Look up to your mama, see your mama's doing nothing wrong. But I'm a person that sees reality. I don't see, I honestly don't see fantasy. I only see reality. Even though I'm, you know, I'm a huge comic book fan and stuff like that, so... I love fantasy, true enough, but in my own life, I only see the reality of it. So I see people for who they are and what they give you. But like I said, I told my mother that I didn't want to talk to my father. I was like, I'm th- thankful he came, but I'm like, I'm, I'm honestly thankful he came, tell him thank you, but honestly, my mom, I don't feel like this stress right now. True enough, five, ten minutes later, here come my pops walking into the little little emergency room part that I'm kept in. And we had a we had a decent conversation. But I honestly told him, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna need you to try to build a better relationship with my children. And he didn't say anything. He didn't like respond to that, really he didn't say anything about it. But honestly, maybe my mother told me a long time ago, maybe he doesn't know how. Maybe he doesn't know how to really be really show compassion. Maybe he's that materialistic that what's free, love and compassion. And, huh? Good morning. How are you? You okay? Can you do me a favor? Um, first of all, I need you to uh, bring me that soda that's in the refrigerator. And there's some juice in the refrigerator and it's donuts also in the refrigerator. So, <laughs> uh, can you bring me a soda? I don't want any donuts. Just bring me the soda. It's not really a soda. It's more like a, a energy type thing. Can you bring that to me, please? Thank you, Jay. All right. Back to you guys. Oh, man. Real podcast, remember that. You won't get this anywhere else. You won't get this raw anywhere else. So anyways, brother told me a long time ago that he possibly doesn't know how to show compassion. Like I was saying, what's free, what comes natural. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm shortness of breath is really getting to me. But I'm a soldier through. I honestly am a soldier through. And um, what comes free. Hold on for a second. Thank you. Don't eat everything. It's three containers of donuts. It's a lot. Don't drink all the juice. Bless you, kiddo. And after you eat, Jay, you have that packet to finish. Do you hear me? I do not want to get up and come in and find you playing that game again. All right? You need to finish that packet, Jay. You only got about three weeks left. You and your brother. Bless you. You only bless you again. You only bless you again. Stop sneezing. Trying to talk to you. Why are you sneezing so much? Gosh. 
Remember, you only have three weeks left. Okay? Three weeks left. Boy, sneeze again. We'll put you out. Anyway, <laughs> you only got three weeks left. When, is Christian up? When he wakes up, guys, do not touch those games today. Please. It's best to finish that packet before it needs to be turned in, all right? So before we start with the hustle and bustle, the school supplies and school uniforms and getting all of this stuff, finish that packet, J.D. Do you hear me? Not No, 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 no. I don't want to know if you hear me. I want to know where you're listening. Go ahead. Eat first. Jay, it's 7.30 in the morning. You have. Go to at least 10.30. You need to finish that book. Okay? Write the report you need to write on it, but you finish all of that book. Okay? All right. Go ahead so I can finish my podcast. Get out of here. What are you doing? You putting some socks on to read? You need socks on to read. You just want to put on some socks to read a book. Your feet got to be comfortable for you to read a book. Boy, put some socks on and find you somebody to bother. All right. Anyways, sorry about that guy. Well, I ain't sorry because I ain't editing nothing. So anyways, that's just what y'all going to get. But like I said... (laughs) What comes free and easy for myself with my children, I've never gotten it from my father. I'm not bitter. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bitter. I mean, he hasn't, he never really taught me anything. He, you know, never showed me nothing. But as far as that goes, I still try it for a relationship. But I'm still trying for a relationship with a lot of, a lot of people in my life, really, to be honest with you. But like my mother said, He doesn't know how to show compassion, really, because of things that he went through in his life. And I could wholeheartedly understand that, and I tried to connect with him on that level. Didn't work. So anyways, he came back in the waiting room. We had a quick five, ten-minute conversation. Then he moved on, and he left. He told me to call. He told me he he was getting some sleep because he had to go to work, So which is rightfully. I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, no shit like that. But, you know, and I didn't call him when I got out of the hospital. I didn't. Because my uncle was there. My uncle, I haven't seen my uncle in so long. We we was connecting. We was talking and stuff. So he went ahead and he brought me home along with my mother and my little brother and his girlfriend. So he took us home. So anyway, so like I said, that was my stay at the hospital, really. And um, like I said, I left in pain. The medicine really didn't help me at all. Didn't do anything to me, be really, to be real honest with you. All of the doses that they gave me about a different kind of medicine, it really just upset my stomach. It really did. And I didn't start feeling better until I came home and I I laid on top of an ice pack and I put an ice pack on my chest. I mean, I laid on top of an ice pack, which was, you know, pressed against my chest, and I had one on my back. Basically, you know, me and Candace was talking and stuff. And, and that's basically what I needed to feel better but good thing I got I got some off days from work I wish I would have gotten I wish it would have been longer but I also wish I was just on a regular vacation and nothing happened to me 
Because like I said, I've been off work since Saturday and it's now Thursday. I've actually had a vacation, but, you know, it really wasn't worth it because, because like I said, I've been in pain and I've been going through so much mentally, I haven't really had a chance to enjoy anything. So anyway. Ah, man. So that was that was a couple of days ago, you know, like I said. At the beginning of the podcast, when I was telling you guys about my depression and stuff, I made it a mission to reach out to people. The first person I needed to reach out to was my sister, and I did. And like I said, we had a wonderful conversation. But I'm I'm just so happy and blessed that to have had that conversation, like I said it before. But anyway, um, Alrighty, let's go ahead and get this started because I actually wanted to talk about a few things that we we sort of discussed last night. In certain parts of Florida, they basically made it an open law for people to to basically attack iguanas. Well, not like attack iguanas. They're basically iguanas are basically running wild in certain parts of Florida. And they got all of these people who are capturing these iguanas, beating them, just doing a lot of inhumane things to them, and it's 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 not something that I want to see. Honestly, I I wish I hadn't seen it. I really do. I, I wish I hadn't seen it, but. It's, it is what it is, and there are people like geez, these 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 guys. I'm looking at these hunters, and it's quite possibly a good 500 iguanas in front of them, all dead. And this guy right here, who's beating an iguana with a with a um with a with a house shoe, and it's ugly to see, but they're saying they're multiplying so rapidly in South Florida that state wildlife agency is now encouraging people to kill iguanas on site. So this is a state wildlife agency saying, yeah, go ahead and kill them. Where's Peter? Where's, where's, where's Peter, Peter when you need him? Honestly, where's Peter when you need him? So now it's basically game in Florida to just go around hunting these, hunting these creatures who, I mean, I've been around iguanas not not as often as people in Florida, but I've been around them, and they don't harm you, they don't attack you. I've never heard of anyone being attacked by an iguana, but they don't harm you, they don't attack you, they don't they aren't violent or anything like that. So why would you feel the need to hunt and kill, or if you find one, kill it? I don't feel I don't see where you would get your enjoyment out of that. And I look at it, I liken it to people. And, you know, Candace had her thoughts on it. She was saying that, you know, it looked like they're being hunted like slaves and stuff like that. But and that's, and that's true. That is true. But I'm not trying to compare it to that. We're not trying to compare it to that. We're just basically saying that this is what it is. Imagine if they were people being hunted like dogs, like iguanas. And it's just being laid out in your lawn, like laid out in your lawn, or laid out, choked out, dead, beat up, electrocuted, 
you know, castrated and, and you know, stuff like that. But it's, it's ugly to see. But like I said, have some compassion, people. Have compassion. I mean, there's a lot in this world to attack. But we all, we come together for the wrong thing. Not everybody's coming together for the social injustice and the apartheid and the March for Our Lives movement and Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter. So to me, all lives matter. All lives matter. So there's a certain group of people who basically go through these things and the only certain group of people care about these certain issues, which is wrong to me. Everybody should basically come together and have compassion and show some sort of human decency towards everything that's on this earth. Because like we stated in the part of the podcast last night that didn't really get uploaded, you know, if you, if you hate racists, whatever, whatever, they should have their own, like, section, their own state, you know, in America or wherever you live. If you're, if you're racist, if you got a hate group or something, just send them to a certain part. Myself, and if, if anybody listening to this podcast from Montana, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I'm about to say. I've never met anybody from Montana. But I said they should just send all racists to Montana. Send them all there. Rename it. Be your little city. Called Hate. Hate Montana. All the racists can go to hate Montana and y'all can have barbecues, celebrate your hate, cookouts and stuff like that. Uh, bake sales and stuff like that. Make your little uh, racist cookies and uh, you know, hate pies and all that shit. Y'all can just go and be happy together. Like, we ain't got to hear about it. The people that's of this country and of this world that want to love and want to... Preach equality and preach togetherness. We can all be together, and but it won't happen. I've, I obviously it won't happen. But for something to to change, something drastic needs to be done. Quite honestly, something drastic needs to be done. And um, honestly, want to speak on there is an Ebola outbreak. There's an Ebola outbreak. I'm trying to figure out where, whereabouts, West African Ebola epidemic. Yeah, West African Ebola virus epidemic. And it basically says that, wait a minute. I'm trying to get an uploaded, uh, updated one, I'm sorry. Okay, there's a Kibu, Kivu, yes sir. Huh? She's barking. Uh, hold on for one second, guys. <laughs> All right. Like I was saying, I was um. See what I, what was I talking about? What was I talking about? Dog, Jaden. Okay, Ebola. Now I'm I'm shit. Why did I just say that like that? I'm I'm sorry, guys. Damn it. I'm I'm sorry. I'm trying to shed light on a very important topic, but I just. Sorry, y'all know me. Anyway, <laughs> the Kivu Ebola epidemic began around August 1st of last year 
when it was confirmed that four, ta- four cases had tested positive for Ebola virus disease in the eastern region of Kivu in the, Dipanic, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. I know how to read. This outbreak started just days after the end of the outbreak in the Equator province. Okay, the Kivu outbreaks include Ituri province after the first case was confirmed on August 13th. And as of June of last month, the virus is spread to Uganda, having infected a five-year-old Congolese boy who entered, who entered Uganda with his family. Basically, this is the largest, and by November of last year, the outbreak had become the second largest outbreak in recorded history. So it's basically the middle of Africa around the Congo and Uganda is basically covering all of that. And there's looks to be over 1,700 deaths as of July of this month. And I honestly don't know what what causes Ebola. I'm really sort of kind of uneducated on that. But just like malaria or the black plague or measles or something like that, it's like early on before we had all of these advancements in medicine. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's an easy fix, but I honestly feel that a lot of this can be quarantined. And I hate to even use that word because when I think of quarantine, I think of basically what I see in movies. Everybody's sick. Everybody with the sickness gets basically put into this bubble or this building. And that building is usually destroyed basically to kill the epidemic so nobody else, to kill the outbreak so nobody else will get to it. Just like they did in uh, I Am Legend when they basically left New York City and left Will Smith fan by himself to find a cure and you know that ain't how it happened but you know you know what I mean though but um honestly don't want that because with everything that go that that's going on over there we sort of falls on deaf ears as it comes back towards the states and beyond and to other places like there's a lot of things that you guys really don't hear about and when it's time when it's time to do something about it, everybody just seems to go go on with the with the next story or go on with the next news topic or the next tragic event or the next whatever. But honestly a lot of this stuff still goes on. Like Flint's water water supply and water filtration and just water issue period. That's still going on. Still going on to this day. And a lot of people first heard about the Flint water issue possibly five, six years ago, maybe, I want to say. I want to say five or six years ago. And, and like, the sex trade that's going on in the United States. That's, 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 that's a horrible thing, especially for myself to have children. That's a horrible thing to even think about. But that still goes on to this day. As that still goes on to this day. And it's like if you go to Amsterdam, like a lot of people 
a lot of people travel to Amsterdam. I just had a conversation with um, um, my son's uh, guidance counselor about his trip to Amsterdam and around that area. And he was saying how he loved it and stuff like that. But it's also legal to sell sex in Amsterdam. It's like it's just about legal to do everything else. But I honestly don't feel that that should be. I, I, I don't. I honestly don't feel that that should be a legal thing. I mean, that that's the oldest the oldest business in the world, to be quite honest with you. And that business still will never go anywhere. But I still think it's inhumane. I really do. I, I really do. And I've been propositioned by both sides. And that's just not something that I should see people doing. Honestly. Honestly. It's very degrading. And the part of the world that I live in, we see it a lot. We see it a lot. We see the men driving around early in mornings in neighborhoods they shouldn't be in. Driving around in cars that, you know, that shouldn't be in these neighborhoods. But... And they got somebody you sort of see around the neighborhood who hangs around outside a lot and she's getting out their car six, five, six o'clock in the morning and stuff. She's trying to put herself back together. And, you know, he drives off all fast and stuff like that. And, but like I said, you hear about the tourists going over to Amsterdam and stuff. And basically, a lot of people just go for the culture. But also, you got those people that go for the drugs and go for the sex as well. But, and I think that's how a lot of these diseases and shit get spread. But like I said, I'm uneducated on a lot of that stuff. And if I were to actually dig a little deeper and try to find out more, I'd be afraid of what I find out, guys. I'd be afraid of what I find out if I actually cared more about religion and politics. I'd be afraid of what I find out. And care more about, I'm not saying I don't care, but just try to dig deeper for the sake of this podcast to have more social things to talk about than just things that interest myself or things that interest Candace, things that make us make us laugh or something like that. We actually try to bring awareness, but I just don't want to bring people down. I don't. I don't want to bring people down. I don't want people to think like, oh, you know, I didn't know that. You know, I don't want to hear that. Stuff like that. So, therefore, I, I just don't talk about it. But that don't mean it's not out there. It's out there. It's out there. It's scary. It's scary. This world is a scary place. And I'm not saying I try to live with, live away from certain things because you can't because I have children. My kids have interests. My kids ask questions. My kids look at things like, Daddy, why does this happen? Why does that happen? They know more about what goes on along in the world than I do. They know about more about trends than I know. They know more about the latest what tech things than I do. They know more about technology. They know more about tech <laughs> technology than I do. God dog, it is too early in the morning. But anyways. But I want to turn the corner with this podcast to shed more light. But I also don't want to sound biased. I don't want to put anybody down, but I just want to give my insight on certain issues. And that's pretty much what we, we don't do that over here at GMHOP. We, we don't do that. 
That's not what that's not what you guys listen to us for. That's not what you guys come to this podcast for. And we appreciate that because you can feel bad just by turning on your TV. You can feel bad just by going through social media. Go look on Instagram. Go look on Facebook and get pissed off. You ain't even gonna have me to blame for it. Cause shock shock value still sells. It still does. And as much as Facebook says they monitor this and monitor that, you can go to Facebook right now and see something that you're not supposed to see. Like the 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 death of that um oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot her name. Cause I just looked at the story, but this guy he killed his girl. And while she's laying there bleeding, he's posting it on Facebook and he's basically saying sorry. And then he wound up killing himself. And that was all all of that was there to see. It was there to see. It's public knowledge. Look right at it. I don't know if you can still pull it up now because I didn't pull it up. I basically read the headline, read a little bit of the story, and I I don't I don't want to hear this anymore. I don't want to read this anymore. But not to say that we turn a blind eye to it, because like I said, I can just walk outside my house and see and see areas for change. Areas that I could possibly possibly make a difference in but when I do that I wind up hurting myself like putting myself in the hospital stuff like that because I'm trying to change everything while still building up my family raising children being a husband being a friend and just raising myself I can't do everything but that's like I said that still doesn't mean it doesn't happen that still doesn't mean there isn't anything going on in your neighborhood that you want to shed light on, that you want to change, but sometimes you just can't do it. You just can't do it. You want to, but you can't. You can't. You got to look at these issues and just like, all right, I want to make a difference, but the only way that I can see fit that we can make a difference is we have to reach one person. We have to reach one person. And that person has to reach another. And that person has to reach another. And that's how it grows. We almost hold hands. We almost make a chain. It basically grows and grows and grows and grows and grows until it circles this globe. We all must want to be the change that we're searching for. We all must want to be that change. And just like I shed light a little bit on, pardon me, just like I said, light a little bit on the Ebola outbreak and a little bit on the sex trade in Amsterdam and the sex trade in the United States. Those are things that's going on right now. Those are things that scare the shit out of me because nothing's stopping it from coming right here to my doorstep. Nothing stopping. Nothing is stopping anything from happening to my wife, my children, yourself. The only thing that's stopping it, honestly, is we got faith, guys. We got faith. Whether or not you believe in a high power or not, you still believe in something. You still believe in yourself. You still believe in whatever, whatever you believe in. I'm not trying to say you have to believe in certain things. Whatever you believe in. That's what you have faith in. You may not call it faith, but hey, that's the word I'm using right now. The word today is faith. That's what I'm calling it. So you have to have faith in something. You have to have belief. You have to have confidence in something that I'm not going to be 
I'm not going to be brought down by the horrors of this world. It's like I said, we live in a we live in a somewhat decent area, but like I said, the drug use is very evident, and it scares the hell out of me whenever I see it. Whenever I see them walking around. Whenever I see them when they have their withdrawals, when they have their outbursts, stuff like that, it's scary. And my kids have witnessed it firsthand. Because like I said, I know someone, uh, I have a 20-year relationship of knowing, a 20-plus year relationship of knowing, and he's gone down that path. And it's horrible to see. But like I said, I can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about it because if I put my effort into them, my children suffer my wife will suffer, or I'll suffer myself. Not to say that I don't care, but like I said before, I have to reassess my life. I have to. I have to reassess my life. I have to reassess the things that I put in that order of daily tasks, weekly tasks, monthly goals, yearly goals. I have to. I can't carry the world anymore. And that's something that I struggle with. Those of you who know me personally, and a lot of you guys who know me on social media, you know me because that's who I am. That's not a facade. That's not a character. I'm not that motivating person that screams into his phone while I'm training or whatever, whatever, just because it's popular to some. That's who I am. If you've ever lifted a weight with me, that's who I am. Honestly, this is who I am. I train just like that. If you've ever sat and talked with me, that's who I am. I try to motivate. I try to uplift. Just like the guy in the handcuffs that I was sitting next to at the hospital. He was telling me, oh, I'm in here for withdrawals. And I was trying to be comp. I was trying to be uplifting to him, trying to be motivating to him because he was 31. And I was like, man, you got the rest of your life to live. You got any children or a girlfriend or something like that? Your mother, your father, brother, cousin, sister? Anybody that you can hold on to that wants you to do better, you should do better. And the cops were looking at me, like, you know, it was like, you don't have to talk to him like that. And I'm like, would you rather me talk to him like you do? All right, then, would you rather me try to be a beacon to him because I'm possibly never going to run into this man again. But if my words can help him, he's going to seek me. And by the grace of God or whoever you believe in, our paths are going to cross and I'm going to see this man as a different person. You changed me. Your words helped. Your words changed me. Just like I'm hoping that a lot of these people who are down and out around me now see me being the stand-up person that I am. I'm not going to be this way. I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to emulate positivity. That's all I want is for people to just emulate positivity. Because you're not bringing anybody but yourself down. Because the harm you do to yourself is bringing other people down. But you're just gonna. You, you're gonna. It's going to hit you one of these days. And those tears aren't going to mean anything to your family, to your friends, to whoever you try to bring them to. They're not going to care because they don't see you as anything but a selfish person who's who all who's all about destruction. Whether that be self-destruction or destruction for other people. No one's going to come help you. And I'm trying to change that to everybody I come in contact with. But like I said, I can't lift the world anymore. 
I have to put it down. I have to let the world be what it is. I can't try to single-handedly patch this world and society and this culture back together by myself. I can't. I'm not by myself. I know I'm not the only person who thinks positive. I know I'm not the only person who wants to change. I know I'm not. But in my own little head, I am. In my own little head, in my own little society, I'm the only person that's out there with this cape on trying to be this superhero who cannot fly. Who cannot leap tall buildings. Who doesn't have a catchphrase. Who doesn't have theme music. But I honestly think I am a superhero. I don't have a mutant ability or anything. But I actually feel that I'm a superhero. Feel that I'm a superhero. I honestly do. As I was walking back home from the gas station this morning. And it's quite a ways. It's quite a ways. It's about a good, I want to say a good mile from my house. It's a good mile maybe. Yeah, possibly a mile. And... It was actually a gun pulled on me this morning. It was it was a gun pulled on me this morning. And I'm not talking like a person who had a gun pulled on him this morning. I'm not scared. I'm not threatened. I didn't start this podcast off by saying, oh, my God, oh, my God. No, it's not me. But, and like I said, guys, I'm having trouble moving. I can't really move. Barely breathe. Have to take breaks during, this, during trying to record this episode just so I can talk to you guys as clearly as I can. I'm walking back home. I'm carrying, you know, what I bought. And I see this guy sitting at the corner. And he was an older guy. You know, he possibly wasn't trying to rob me or whatever. whatever. He was possibly just scared because he was out this early in the morning. And, you know, you never know what you're going to run into. So I'm walking towards him, and he's shaking. So I'm like, I'm thinking he was just one of those zombies, you know, (laughs) that I see. So I'm walking, just walking minding my own business, talking to Candace actually because she's up getting ready for work and she's just making sure I'm okay because she knows the state that I'm in. So I'm walking towards this guy and he's fumbling with something in his bag and next thing I know he pulls a gun out and he's standing there in front of me and I look at him and I didn't even break stride. I didn't stop. I didn't, I didn't drop anything. I didn't yell or scream or say, oh, my God, don't kill me. I just walked past him. Walked right past him. Candace was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, oh, dude just pulled a gun on me. She was like, what, what? She was frantic a little. But as I told her, I'm like, there's no need. I walked right past him because I didn't feel like it was my time to, it was, it was meant for me. I didn't think that was meant for me. Anything can happen true enough. I'm not invincible. But as I looked in that man's eyes, he was frightened. He was frightened. He was possibly on his way to work. Who knows? He didn't look like a drug addict. He didn't look like a harmful person. But he was possibly just frightened. And that was possibly his impulse to, he was possibly robbed before. Because I know people who were robbed before and that just makes them horrible socially. They don't want to come outside. They don't want to interact. They don't want to be out at night or whatever, whatever. And that just sort of hurts them emotionally and mentally. It hurts them. So that could have happened to that man. So had I turned that into another incident to where he feels he has the power and or he feels like, okay, everybody that comes across me is going to harm me. No, I just kept walking. Didn't even look. I, I looked him in his eye. I gave him a look like, okay, this is not going to happen right now. I just kept walking. Because of everything I've been through these past couple of days, 
I don't want anything else bad to happen. I'm not saying I can dictate things. I'm not saying, okay, now that that this has happened, I can see into the future. I can't. I can honestly have that same thing happen to me right now as I'm recording this podcast. The same thing that happened to me because all I was doing was putting on the press shoes and it felt like somebody beat me in my chest with a sledgehammer. That same thing can happen to me right now. But mentally, I'm not going to let anything else defeat me. I thought I was strong mentally, y'all. I honestly did. But I see that I still have work to do. I'm not done. I'm still in pain right now. I still have pain in my abdomen, pain in my leg, pain in my chest, pain in my back. I'm still in pain. Can't let it beat me. It won't beat me. I'm going to be here for a while. This podcast isn't going to go anywhere. Our YouTube channel is going to grow. My kids' Twitch channel is going to grow. We're going to learn how to operate all of this. We're going to learn how to be just like everybody else with how they upload and edit and all of this flashy and fancy sounds and all of that shit. We're going to learn how to do all of that. Just not now. Just right now. But you guys are still going to get the realest podcast you will ever listen to. Raw emotion. Our emotion. Our life. Nothing fabricated. Nothing fake. Us. Hold on for one second, guys. You know, the reason why I say hold on because I feel like I'm talking to family. I am talking to family. You know, you guys are part of my family. I don't have fans and nothing like that. You guys are my family. I want to reach out to each and every one of you guys. How you doing? You know, like like we did with the whole question Q&A segment that we had uh, last podcast. Or podcast before that. I freaking forgot when it was. I'm sorry about that. But like I said, this is what you get. This is what you get from us. And I really wish you guys would have heard that interview. Well, it wasn't really the interview. It was just me talking to my talking to my sister, hearing my nephew. But I guess I did that. That that was for me. That was for me. That was for my wife. That was for Chelsea. You know, because we actually got to talk. I didn't interact with each other. But um, I had a couple of other things I want to discuss. What I don't want is to see myself as an older man. Just like that whole thing that's going around social media with everybody using that face app that they claim is ran by Russians and now Russians own um, your photos and they have access to all of this stuff and all of that stuff. I mean, is there a conspiracy theory to basically get all of our information or try to get you know information from us, what we talk about, what we go through? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's that's true. That's true. But am I letting it bother me? No, I'm not. Do I want to see myself as an old man? No, I don't. You know, me and Candace pretty much, we we think the same. We pretty much, you know, I don't, I don't want to see that. I just want to get there. You know, I don't want to see myself as an old man or she doesn't want to see herself as an old woman. Because what if I don't look like that? What if everybody's saying, oh, I'd be a sexy old man or I'd be a sexy old woman? What if we not? What if my ears hang? Or, you know, what if... <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. What if? What if something? What if something just doesn't look like that app that says I'm going to be a handsome old man and stuff like that? What if I'm dying? I'm gonna get mad at myself. I'm like, oh no, no, that face app said I was going to be this or it said I was going to be that. But the funny one was, um, the funny one was when they uh, when they show uh, Morgan Freeman's face 
That shit was hilarious though, because Morgan Freeman's face was exactly like it is now. <laughs> but it's supposed to like it's supposed to age you like I, I want to say at least thirty years. It's supposed to age you at least thirty years or, or, or whatever you pick or whatever. I guess I don't know. I haven't used it, but um, the only ones that I've seen was the ones that like age you like advance your age thirty years possibly. So they say that Morgan Freeman used it and you basically look the same. That shit was hilarious. But anyway, um, couple of other things I want to get out there. Or give my opinion about. Um, okay, hold on for one second. Hold on for one second. I, I know I talked to you guys a lot about my love and my love and my and what Tupac means to me. My love and what and, and, and what Tupac means to me and how much he affected my life. And, you know, if it wasn't for him, you know, if it wasn't for Tupac, I possibly wouldn't even be the man that I am right now. But I find out I'm not the only, I'm not the only one that holds Tupac in such high regard or even higher regard. Because 66-year-old Jerry Foxhoven, such a massive Tupac fan, that unfortunately it cost him his job. So according to Huffington Post, Foxhoven is, or was, I'll say, was District of Iowa's Department of Human Services. He was the director of Iowa's Department of Human Services. But he was such, such a Tupac fan that in recent, recently discovered emails, Foxhoven regularly sent messages to all of the agencies, 4,300 employees expressing his love for Tupac's music. And they said his love for Tupac also featured weekly events, Tupac Fridays and all of that stuff. So, good morning, sweetie. Good morning. Hey. Is Mama what? On the phone? No, I'm actually recording the podcast right this second. Mommy's at work. No, sweetie, come here. You know you. I'm the, what I'm gonna do? Stop? No. What's wrong? It. Good morning, boo boo. It is some juice in the refrigerator, and it's donuts. I think it's three things. Girl, get back in her. Her dog of donuts is gonna run. It's three things of donuts. I think it's blueberry, chocolate, and strawberry. They just little donut holes. Cause I couldn't find no boxes to get like donuts, but um, I, I'm gonna get up and go to the store at nine because I gotta get Bully some food. So uh, I'm gonna just pick up a little bit more, but that's in there now. If Christian is in there, it would oh no, you you in your room or whatever room you in right now, girl. But make sure Jaden's at the table, right? They both at the table. They, they the table doing their work. They reading. Okay, good. Uh, just keep an eye. Tell them to keep an eye on Bully. But I'm going I'm to I'm get us some food in a little bit. All right. Thanks, sweetie. But like I said, um, Fox Hoven Hill, Tupac Fridays, and all of that stuff. All of that. So, Jerry Fox Hoven, you are right with me. And if you ever, like, if since they fired you as being director of Iowa's Department of Human Services, if you want, like, to run for president or something, dog, you got my vote. You do. You all right with me, Jerry Fox Hoven. You all right with me. You know, wait a minute. That does sound pretty good. 
And I like that. I like that. I'm going to start doing segments of people, just random news or something like that, that I actually see what you're trying to do. Jerry Foxhoven wasn't trying to berate Tupac or trying to say, I hate this music. No, no, no. No. Jerry Foxhoven was a true soldier. He's actually a member of the Outlaws. So, Jerry Foxhoven, you are right with me. You know, so anyways, move it on, move it on, move it on. Like I say, guys, you know, I don't want to really bring too much bad news. You know, just getting tired of talking about this stuff. Just getting tired of talking about it. Okay. For those of you guys who know, um, Bron James plays for the Los Angeles Lakers, but LeBron James also plays for Hollywood. So when I say he plays for Hollywood, I've already talked about what I think about the Lakers when I think about the moves that they make. But let me talk about the side of LeBron James that you guys probably don't really know that much about unless you, you know, you pay attention to sports like I do. But like I said, I've been a huge LeBron James fan for quite a while, possibly since he was 15 or 16 years old. Right now, he's sort of trying to be a power player in Hollywood. You guys know he's done some movies. I think he was in Trainwreck with Amy Schumer, I believe. That movie, uh, he was in Smallfoot, uh, that animated movie. But um, right now, he's actually filming Space Jam 2. So those of you guys who know know the movie Space Jam, love the movie Space Jam, that's going to be pretty much the same premise. I believe, I'm sure, uh, LeBron James saves the world with the help of the Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny, and such, such, such. Um, he's actually doing a remake of Friday the 13th. Um, his uh, production company, his media company, is actually spearheading a remake of Friday the 13th. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying don't do it, LeBron. Plus, he, um, he was the A and R on, um, uh, Two Chains' last album. I think it was, uh, Rap or Ball or something. It has something to do with rappers and basketball. Something like this. Something like that. I don't listen to Two Chains, so I didn't buy the album. But anyway, he's actually showing you what. He's actually showing you what you can what you can or can accomplish. So just because you're an athlete don't mean you should stay an athlete. Like he says, more than an athlete. He's activist, great husband, great father from what we see. <clears throat> um, great businessman, media and stuff like that. So he's basically utilizing all, just, just, just like The Rock, just like various other people, they're utilizing all of their talents. They're not just good at one thing. They're not just like these Instagram influencers or these YouTube influencers that you see. They sort of piggyback off of each other. Like people like these guys are actually spearheading themselves. This is what I'm interested in. This is what I do. This is what I want. This is what I want to give to the world. That's a beautiful thing to actually hone in on all of your talents and just just have that I don't give a fuck attitude like I'm going to go and nobody's going to stop me. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. Nothing stopping you from doing that. And I don't mean to do this, but I'm sorry, guys, but I'm going to talk about you anyways. Um, my sister Chelsea, she writes a blog about her journey through surrogacy. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I do know this. 
It's called uh, There Joey My Pouch. So please look that up on social media. And she actually walks you through it. She gives a better explanation and better reasoning and better everything from what I what I can, what I can tell you guys. For her journey through surrogacy, why she's doing it, what it accomplishes, and just the overall joy that she brings to everyone that she comes in contact with through that and beyond. So just guys, just go follow that. If you have any, if you need any questions answered or you know someone who wants to do it or you know a family that, that can't have children or same-sex couples or single single parents who don't want to deal with the drama and stuff like that to borrow a phrase from my sister, <laughs> you know, you should, you, you should go, go follow her. Follow their Joey, my pouch on Instagram, and I believe she has a Facebook page, but I know she has a blog. So just go follow that so you can get your questions answered and possibly help another person out. And also, I'm a huge Disney fan. I love Disney. I love it. Me and my kids, we randomly sing Disney songs around the house. Um, I got a couple of Disney, you know, Disney character shirts. I love Disney. All things Disney. Well, not all things Disney because a lot of things I just can't stand. But um, <laughs> I love things Disney. But if you're looking for person with a lot of insight on all things Disney you should you guys can go follow Ryan's Disney reviews that's my bro Ryan he's been such a big part of this podcast along with my sister so supportive I love you guys but he he's been to a couple of Disney theme parks and it's like he doesn't just go for the attraction he goes for the overall experience it goes for the overall knowledge and education backstory and all of this stuff about this set this character this movie this hidden meaning and things like that so if you guys love disney and not just the songs or the movies or certain characters or just to shut your fucking kids up if you love disney you guys guys should go check out ryan's disney reviews all righty I'm listening to my kids right now yell at my dog. She's on the back porch. Um, not she's not she's not bad. She's in, she's in like misbehaving or anything like that. She just plays a lot, and a lot of the time she like nips at the kids' feet. She, you know she wants to run and stuff, and she feels the way she can get them to run with her if she bites at their toes or something like that. You know, like what I got the shoes on or something like that. She bites at their shoes, bites at their shoestrings and stuff. So right now they're actually outside yelling at her to shut up because she's barking. She wants to play, but um, <laughs> but uh. But yeah, that's just a, a couple of things that's been on my mind that I've been I've been wanting to tell you guys about. I just haven't. But um, like I said, we talked about Space Jam. We talked about the old people face thingy. Um, uh, Lion King, the live action review. Speaking of Disney, Lion King, the live action Lion King is out tomorrow, I believe. So. If you want to, check it out. I really don't want to see it because I kind of want to remember The Lion King as I saw it. Not to say, because I heard, I've seen a little bit, little little clips of it, small little clips of it. And there's actually dialogue in it that wasn't in the movie. So it'll possibly be good. I didn't see Aladdin. I didn't see um, any of the other 
um, live action movies. I just my kids have saw my family seen, but I didn't see it. I'm more of a fan of the animated ones. Me like my favorite Chicken Little, Disney, you know, Lion King stuff. Like I mean, uh, Hercules. I'm sorry about that. Chicken Little, Hercules, Toy Story one. Even though Toy, all the Toy Stories are good movies. I haven't seen the latest one, but um, all the Toy Stories are good movies. But I just love the part in Toy Story one when um. First of all, when Buzz finds out he can't fly and he falls like straight to the ground, that's heartbreaking. But the funny part in Toy Story 1 is when Buzz and Woody first met each other and Buzz shot him in the face. He didn't really, he shot him in the face. To Buzz, he shot him in the face. But to Woody, he was like, why the fuck are you flashing his light in my eye? But to see Buzz, the determination on Buzz's face, like he's gonna kill Woody. <laughs> That was so funny to me. To see, he was like, he went straight for the face. He went straight for the kill. He didn't ask him what he wanted, what he was doing there, what planet was he from. He was like, no, you got to go. You got to die. But, you know, so that's just my little small take. But um, anything else? Anything else? I mean, there's a lot, honestly, guys. There's a lot I want to talk about. I want to shed light upon. But, you know, it's... uh. Some of these topics, I'm actually need my wife's, my wife's side of it, so we may actually do an episode talking about these certain things and stuff like that. But like I said, guys, I just wanted to get all of this out to let you guys have a podcast that you know you can relate to, and just so I wouldn't forget anything that we talk about. First of all, like I said, like I, I just wanted to apologize to everybody. From the audio that was uploaded this morning that you couldn't hear. I'm sorry. But hopefully I explained everything to you guys. I'm about ready to get ready to... I'm about ready to go to the store myself. <laughs> and I got to get dog food and such like that. So you know, I'll be careful. Tell my wife I'll be careful. But anyways, I love you guys. Thank you for the support. GMH, Owen Pete.